Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka with your host, Patrick Boyer. Best wishes for 2024 as we start another year of broadcasts about Muskoka's modern history. Each program this year will trace different aspects of Muskoka's evolving communities and methods of communicating. It will be like a continuing education course in culture and communications in monthly installments. With my program you are listening to and my script printed on our Hunters Bay Radio uh, website, along with the audio archive. Now, because this subject is as big as it is important for understanding our district and its people, we'll keep focus by following a single thread that joins all communities and every form of communications, the publication of weekly newspapers. As a result, this story starts in 1869, when Muskoka's first newspaper appeared in print and runs for 155 years to the present day, when our district entered a twilight zone, when all district paper printed community newspapers vanished on a single day. On September 15, 2023, the Canadian news publishing and conglomerate Torstar Corporation, owner of the Toronto Star newspaper and Metroland Media that was publishing 70 community newspapers in printed and online editions, filed for bankruptcy protection and ceased production of all weekly community newspapers moving to an online-only model. That was the end of the line for the Huntsville Forester, Gracebridge Examiner, and Gravenhurst Banner in their familiar and valuable newspaper editions. <laughs> Early that morning, which I call Muskoka's Black Friday, the week's supply of thousands of printed flyers ready to be bundled and distributed with the Muskoka newspapers were tossed into a large overflowing dumpster at 345 Ecclestone Drive in Bracebridge, where Metroland did this work. Despite the difficulties for those who produced all that costly material, that symbolic trashing was the least of Muskoka's problems as we entered an era without local newspapers. Another symbol of this change is the public meeting the District of Muskoka will convene in its council chambers at Bracebridge next week to address just the specific problem of alternate communication methods for planning applications. Even 
for Muskoka's seven municipal governments who generally do poorly informing people about their activities and are now much worse off without the newspapers they relied on to help them, there is an unfamiliar void in which to operate. It affects everyone. Businesses and community organizations are grappling with their conundrum of communicating certain information to the public when in print community newspapers no longer circulate Muskoka. The district's legal profession, too, has formal obligations to give public notice, some specified by statute, such as in relation to estates and bankruptcies, other required by rules of procedure governing notification to the legal profession, parties to an action, the general public, and news media. In Muskoka, that reliable method of communication for more than a century and a half no longer exists. The death of Muskoka's printed newspapers on Black Friday, when their out-of-district corporate owner announced that only online editions of these publications would be available, was not a sudden development. Signs of decline had been present for several years, Still, it caught many by surprise and certainly sent a shockwave through the district. Well, that was understandable. For more than a century and a half, the daily lives of Muskokans included newspapers. These weekly publications evolved in dozens of ways, as we'll see in coming programs. Some published for a while, then folded, Others amalgamated, new ones appeared. As the communities changed, so did the papers of which they were a part. As we trace the evolution of Muskoka's community newspapers to understand where we are today, we'll examine each stage of new communications technology that impacted publishing and people the methods of news gathering and printing, the ways community retail stores and social organizations operated, everything. These modernizing changes came, as we shall see, wave after wave. The printing presses, the postal system, telegraph service, telephones, radio, television, satellite communications, the digital revolution, and the emergence, emergence of online platforms. By the way, when television came in, experts said that it would be the end of radio. Well, here we are, three quarters of a century later, and you are listening to me on Muskoka's community station, Hunter's Bay Radio, which itself has shifted with the times from the AM to FM band, for instance, and having me broadcast about Muskoka history instead of my long-dead grandfather, George Boyer, whose voice was on these airwaves in the 1960s. Through each of these advances in communication technology, culture shifted, communities altered, 
and newspapers changed. The pivotal concept is that during the many decades this was all happening, Muskoka's local newspapers held up a full-sized mirror to the district's communities in a way that fragmented digital platforms cannot. On Black Friday, Muskoka's mirror was broken. To come to terms with this new situation, in which we can at best only glimpse fragments of community, we'll need to trace forward from the beginning, starting with pioneer-era newspapers in the 19th century. It was in 1869, two years after Confederation, that the first paper to be published in Ontario's northern districts appeared. The Northern Advocates publisher was Thomas McMurray, who was first reeve of four combined Muskoka townships, owned and operated several businesses in Bracebridge, and was Muskoka's leading advocate for settlement under the free land program for homesteaders. Like his newspaper, Thomas was himself a most ardent Northern advocate. Editor of the Northern Advocate newspaper was James Boyer, a great-grandfather. Their paper served Muskoka, Perry Sound, and Nipissing districts. It continued for a number of years until its place was taken by the Muskoka Herald and its competitor, the Bracebridge Gazette, introducing lively competition for news, readers, advertisements, and community influence. Gravenhurst's first newspaper certainly mirrored its community, a busy lumber center whose many sawmills gave the village its deserved nickname, Sawdust City. The community's inaugural paper, named The Canadian Lumberman, began in May 1876. Owned and operated by Aurelia publisher Peter Murray, the Canadian Lumberman was edited by entrepreneurial A.P. Colburn. While also busy with his steamships, other business interests, and serving as Muskoka's member of parliament. Only six months after it began, the lumberman folded. By 1880, another Aurelian, W.R. Tudhope, launched a newspaper he called the Muskoka Banner. The four-page paper was printed in his Aurelia Times newspaper office. By 1886, Todd Hope changed his paper's name to Gravenhurst Banner. Huntsville, perhaps not surprisingly for a community with many principal inhabitants affiliated with the Liberal Party, got its first newspaper when Dr. F.L. Howland started a weekly in 1876, displaying his political affiliation on its masthead by naming the village's paper The Liberal. With no printing press in town, The Liberal was printed in Bracebridge until Whitby newspaper publisher Floyd Clearwater relocated to Huntsville in 1877. Transporting his printing press with him, he struck up a deal with Howland and acquired a half-interest 
in the Doctor's Weekly. Later that year, veteran publisher Clearwater knew that to broaden subscriptions and increase advertising beyond liberal enthusiasts, changing the newspaper's name was a necessary upgrade. And that's how Huntsville's liberal became the Forester. Next, after a short break, we'll look at how Muskoka's widely distributed weekly newspapers serve their communities by reflecting mirror-like their abundant diversity. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka, with your host, Patrick Boyer. Welcome back. I'm Patrick Boyer, and this is the first program for 2024 about the importance of community newspapers as mirrors to their communities, reflecting and shaping the life of Muskokans and events of the district ever since the 1860s. I want to describe how papers did this for Muskoka, and, and still do today in communities that successfully held out against the acquisition's rampage by Toronto Star's Metroland. Whether the newspaper is a small-town weekly or a big-city daily, it gives readers a reflection of themselves. Each reader can find what he or she wants to know that is of business, social, or personal interest for their own connections with the community. The paper's news, Public notices and advertisements continuously update people about what is happening across their community and its many components. It reveals changes from the rise and fall of sports teams and political careers to the building of new hospitals and schools or the demolition or repurposing of old ones. A community's human evolution can be traced through birth notices, graduation ceremonies, wedding reports, and obituaries. Activities of churches and curling clubs are recorded alongside news about uh, the community projects and doings of service clubs like the Rotarians, Gowanians, Lions, and Kinsmen. Over time, the weekly becomes a journal of record preserving its community's history. All this and more is offered in one convenient place, well-written and appealingly presented according to the current state of graphic arts. A newspaper can be carried anywhere, read at any time, even clipped for items of importance or special interest. Muskoka households have many scrapbooks of treasured newspaper items. The paper-printed newspaper does not spy on you and profile you to intrusive advertisers. 
a printed newspaper in your hands is an entirely private communication of public information. So the newspaper emerged as an institution of distinction, dynamic in operation, and dependent on a symbiotic relationship with its community. People working for a newspaper go out into the community to find news and sell ads. But people also come to the newspaper offices themselves or mail things in, knowing the weekly sheet was seen and studied by several thousand people in the case of Muskoka's weeklies or a million readers for the metropolitan papers. In come press releases, announcements, letters to the editor expressing a point of view and want ads, many want ads in all departments for the community marketplace that would in time inspire creation of Kijiji and Craigslist. Rural correspondents mailed weekly news of local doings in their smaller Muskoka communities, holding mirrors to those places whose residents searched each week to see if their name made it into the paper, walking taller when it did. Of vital importance for human communities is being able to see and understand our collective activity and communal character. To conclude this overview, look at uh, paperless Muskoka. I'll jump ahead in the story to three final points. The most recent communications advance that affected Muskoka and our newspapers, like a tsunami washing over everything else too, has been the digital revolution. This landmark event in Muskoka's modern history delivered a major change to journalism and community newspapers. But Muskoka is hardly unique in this because it has been a global changeover. What is unique to Muskoka, however, is that the digital age's revamping of communications was accompanied by a second development. Muskoka's locally owned and operated weekly newspapers, Graveners Banner, Bracebridge Examiner, Huntsville Forester, and related newspaper assets were all sold by their two owners to non-Muskoka media conglomerates. Overnight, Muskoka's newspapers were foreign-owned. The publishing conglomerate adding our local weeklies to its holdings was not foreign meaning non-Canadian, but foreign in terms of its business model and operations foreign in terms of its understanding of Muskoka's distinct culture, foreign in asserting top-down control over local newspapers and providing content and direction from head office. This flawed business model of a centralized and top-heavy newspaper conglomerate running scattered weekly newspapers created financial problems that led to successive cutbacks until the Muskoka Weeklies, tied to a hollowed-out business entity, vanished from one week to the next. Online, the Forester, Examiner, and Banner continue to be confusingly enwrapped under something called Muskoka Region, a Toronto view that does not recognize Muskoka as a district. For a while, 
had office applied this name to its split-run editions of all three papers, a mashup that was as hard to manage from the production side as it was to sort out from a reader's perspective, causing head office to revert after a couple years to the paper's three original mastheads. Muskoka has other online news publications. In 1994, Mark Claremont founded his digital paper, Muskoka Today, produced in Gravenhurst. In 2015, after the Forester had become just a link in a big newspaper chain, Huntsville journalists craving better coverage of local news launched the Doppler, an online publication which now also has an extended South Muskoka platform. There's also Muskoka Crime News, Simcoe Muskoka News, Muskoka Airport News, and Muskoka Culture and Arts News online. We'll get to the advantages and drawbacks of digital journals in a thorough way as this series progresses. The business model of locally owned and operated community newspapers is still successful in parts of Ontario and beyond where paper printed journals remain in vital operation. If the Huntsville Forester's owner had kept it under local operation, had the proprietor of the Bracebridge Examiner and Grace Gravener's Banner retained control of these community publications as well, and with their ex extensive, extensive respective experience as weekly publishers and editors, I believe the odds are overwhelming that one of these publications would have survived, likely two, possibly even a third, and that Muskoka and Muskokans would still be benefiting from our community mirror. Instead, these distinctive Muskoka papers first lost their identity, being run with top-down management and supplied content, and have now slipped into borderless cyberspace. That is why Muskokans face an unprecedented era, the complete absence of paper-printed local newspapers to show us who we are, what's happened, and what's ahead. As for what's ahead in this series, please join me again next month when we see what happened to Muskoka newspapers with their first printing presses and the evolution of printing presses, the first of many waves changing communication technology. Producer for our modern history of Muskoka is Jason Harnett. I'm Patrick Boyer. Thanks for listening.